0: Hello survivalists. This is the Crux True Survival Stories. I'm your host, Casey McIntosh, joined by Julie Henningson. And Julie Henningson is gonna be leading the story for us today. Hello Julie, how are you doing?
1: Doing great, Casey. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing good. Off to a good start. My friend Matt is coming over here in a little bit to store a bunch of dungeness crabs in my garage in a giant trash can. So that's gonna be interesting. Oh, yeah.
1: Hopefully you get to eat some of those (laughs) Dungeness crabs. Sounds tasty. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we are. But for a while, we're just going to store them in our garage. So I'm wondering how my dog's going to enjoy that experience. Oh, yeah.
1: He might really enjoy
0: it. Yeah. She's just going to be barking like crazy for the next few days. But anyway, I'm
1: good. How about you? Great. Today, I'm going to take us back to the late 80s. Now... uh, our listeners may not realize that I'm just a little bit older than you. I don't think of myself as older than you, but I think I am. And um, this is a story that anyone who's about my age will know about. And I don't, I'm curious to, to know if you remember this story, Casey. It's the story of baby Jessica. Does that ring any bells? Did baby Jessica fall down a well? Yes, yes, she did. (laughs) I
0: do remember this story. Even though I was pretty young, I remember my parents were so captivated by it. And I'm sure it's because they had three small children at home. And I remember this is actually one of my more vivid childhood memories. Just, you know, seeing that well and watching the news coverage. And it was just so heart-wrenching and suspenseful, the whole thing.
1: Yes. So It it was a very popular story at the time. And, you know, it's something that I've always remembered and could have always told you who baby Jessica was. So when I was thinking like, what's a good survival story that we haven't told yet? um, It came to mind and it was so interesting researching the details of the story because there's some aspects to it that as a child, I never would have thought about or realized. One of them is that this story was covered live on cnn america's first and at that time only 24 hours news network so it was kind of like a real shift it was taking place in news and this story was the second time that the country had watched a kind of around the clock dramatic coverage of a story unfolding in real life right before their eyes the first time was the explosion of the Challenger space shuttle, which I think was just a couple years before this. Um, But this phenomenon of just watching this unfold and being able to watch it around the clock was brand new. And it just captivated not only Americans, but the world. Then President Ronald Reagan was uh, quoted as saying, everybody in America became godmothers and godfathers of Jessica while this was going on. So that is part of the reason why people of our generation know exactly who you're talking about when you say baby Jessica.
0: Plus, it's just a really good survival story. Yeah, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, especially now having kids, it's like that moment that you turn your head for a second and something happens, they disappear in the grocery store or whatever. I mean, we've all had just glimmers of moments where you have this terrifying feeling of fear and this was drawn out for a prolonged period of time. I can't imagine. The other thing that it makes me think about, actually, now that you're bringing this up, is that story in Missoula where the kids were buried by the avalanche over by Mount Gembo. Do you remember that?
1: I don't remember that, no.
0: Well, we're going to have to tell that story.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to hear it.
0: But anyway, just that feeling of like, oh, there's something going on with your kids and there's nothing that you can do about it, you know? Yes, yeah. I can't imagine yeah. how
1: horrifying that would be. Yeah, that is like the string throughout the story. That is the theme. And exactly what you said, a mom turned her head for a second and something horrible happened. So this was on October 14th in 1987, which was a Wednesday. And Jessica McClure was 18 months old, so a toddler um, in Midland, Texas. She was in her aunt's backyard and her mom was there with her. Her aunt's home was a like an in-home daycare center and her mom and she were in the backyard. Her mom got a phone call and turned her head just for a moment. And at that moment, baby Jessica fell into a abandoned well that had a kind of a cover over the top that had come off or was loose. Somehow she was able to fall into it. She fell 22 feet down into the well and what's amazing to me is that the diameter of the opening of the the tube that was the well was only about eight inches. I so understand. only a, a yeah, really tiny. Only a baby or a, a small toddler would even be able to fit in there, and and not only fit but fall twenty two feet. Wow, she had to be little.
0: I mean, my last yeah. child at eighteen months
1: never would have fit into that tube. <laughs> exactly. I don't think my kids would have fit. <laughs> Possibly at birth. At least <laughs> it sure didn't feel like it. So yeah, so eight inches, she falls down the well and then she's kind of wedged in the well uh, at that depth. Her mom immediately identified what happened and you know, activated the um, emergency response to help. So the response was quick. Um, and at first a rescue team showed up and they were using a device called a rat hole rig which is a machine that's normally used to plant um, telephone poles. And the idea, pretty out of the gate for rescuing her, was to just drill a really deep hole down parallel to the well, and then when they got below her to drill kind of like a horizontal tunnel between the two holes um, and kind of reach up and pull her you know, a little bit further down to, to bring her up the hole that they drilled. So that was the plan. Um, and they were going to go about uh, 20 inches below her, where she was trapped with this horizontal tunnel to grab her. And they kind of thought, okay, well, this will be quick and, e- well, I won't say easy, but they they didn't w- what was in store for them. Yeah. They didn't necessarily think it was going to be hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think they thought um, it was going to be easier than it turned out to be. What they didn't account for, what they quickly discovered is that the well was surrounded by rock. It was basically hard rock that they had to drill this new parallel um, tunnel down, horizontal tunnel. What was the well made
0: out of? Was it like a metal pipe that she fell down?
1: You know, that's a great question. I'm picturing a metal pipe. Uh, A lot of the references called it a a casing, Um, but I guess I didn't See exactly, but yeah, like a eight inch metal pipe, eight inch okay. diameter. Um, but what they didn't account for, what they quickly discovered, is that uh, the well was surrounded by rock, and they had to drill through hard rock to get where they were planning to go, which was uh, a lot harder than they anticipated. They were using these jackhammers, which were designed to go, you know, straight down and not across. So the idea of building this horizontal tunnel also proved to be a little more challenging than they anticipated. So pretty quickly, a mining engineer was recruited to kind of join and coordinate the rescue effort to kind of get some new ideas or some more efficient approaches on board. And while they were doing all this, they were pumping oxygen down into the well For Jessica. And the rescuers were kind of hanging out and talking to her and offering words of encouragement and commented that they would hear her singing nursery rhymes as she was down there. So she could communicate with them. Yeah, At one point, they lowered a microphone down into the well so they could really hear her and kind of get a better gauge of how she was doing. There was one report that 45 hours after she fell into the well, which tells you she was down there for more than two days, um, they heard her singing Winnie the Pooh, just hanging out in this well, singing Winnie the Pooh, which obviously was a reassuring sign to the rescuers. That is just
0: the saddest and sweetest little thing ever.
1: Yes. So she fell in uh, the hole on a Wednesday And they worked and worked and the engineers got recruited and more and more rescuers came and pretty soon there were hundreds of people in this backyard working together with tons of different equipment, trying anything that they could to drill this hole and get through the rock and get to her more quickly. And um, they did this all day Thursday And then by the start of Friday, it it just appeared in all senses were that they were on the verge of reaching her. There was just this air of anticipation that at any moment they're going to they're going to reach Jessica and extricate her from the situation. One of the rescuers whose duty was to sort of monitor and, and talk to Jessica throughout the ordeal made the comment that he got the sense that she was growing irritable. He said, I've been telling her for the last 20 hours that we were coming down to get her out, but I don't think she believes me. So even she started to wonder, you know, what's going on? Why is this taking so long? And, of course, was growing irritable. And I can imagine hungry and tired and cold and uncomfortable with the situation.
0: I just can't imagine that she made it so long without getting irritable. You know, that the fact that she was singing Winnie the Pooh at 48 hours is fucking I know it's remarkable it shows you how resilient kids are you know like within the first five minutes I would not I would already be irritable right
1: yeah yeah it's a total kid thing she's just hanging out (laughs) down there yeah it's pretty amazing actually So they got this parallel hole drilled and they were using some pneumatic drills, finally sort of several feet below where Jessica was trapped and they drilled the horizontal tunnel and broke through to the well below where Jessica was. They they immediately lodged a bit of the drill across the well and just in case the drilling kind of like shook her loose and she were to fall further, it would prevent her from falling further. And eventually they were able to kind of inflate these sort of industrial balloons below where she was, again, to just prevent her from going any further down the well. This felt like a real breakthrough for the rescuers. They were where they wanted to be. And they kind of had this idea that, okay, now it's just a matter of kind of reaching up and grabbing her and and pulling her out of the well. There was a lot of debris in there and visibility was pretty challenging but they could kind of see her leg through the hole that they drilled by using a mirror and kind of orienting it in a way that they could catch glimpses of her leg and to their dismay they quickly realized and this is cringy but only one of her legs was below her her other leg was kind of wedged up over her head kind of like she was doing the splits in what? the well.
0: Thank God for childhood flexibility. Yeah. That is crazy.
1: I know those little cartilaginous <laughs> joints were doing their job and she's thinking Winnie the Pooh after two days like this. This was a realization that no, there was not really an opportunity to just sort of grab her and pull her she was trapped in there in the position that she was in or or stuck she was really stuck in that position with that other leg pressed up against her body they just weren't really going to be able to easily move her so more time went by hours more and they were you know really rescuers were really having a lot of concern that she'd gone so long without food and water there were doctors on the scene that were um, helping determine that despite all of these obstacles, she seemed pretty fit and pretty okay. And the doctors were discouraging giving any food or water down the well for her to eat or drink because they were concerned that she might have internal injuries or that she might need to head right into surgery, which you and I both know you can't do if you have, um, you know, food and water on board. So they weren't sending any resources down to her. They were also concerned that she might choke on the food or liquid if they sent it down and that there'd be no way to help her in that situation. Later in the day on Friday, as she became a little bit more irritable, she started to complain that the drilling was too loud. So her (gasps) mood is shifting after two days in this situation.
0: It's impressive that an 18 month old is Complaining about loud noises because that's pretty young to have that level of ability to communicate, I think. But I guess if she's singing Winnie the Pooh, she's already a little bit advanced for her age.
1: That's true. Yeah, a lot of kids wouldn't even be able to articulate those words at that age. So at this point, they found another resource called a water knife, kind of like a high powered water drill that was shipped in from Houston to more efficiently try and cut through the rock so they could open up some space to help her get unstuck. And it did, it cut hours off of their drilling and digging time. So finally, around 5.30 in the evening, which would have been about 58 hours after she fell in the well, they started to lower some medical equipment down, forceps, lubricating gel, which was just a sign that, you know, success was imminent, a paramedic board, they called it, but I think it's probably like a a Kendrick extrication device, a KED, which is kind of like a portable backboard spinal immobilizing device to help support somebody's spine as they are removed from a tricky situation, often motor vehicle accidents. And interestingly, there was a rescuer on scene, a roofing contractor by the name of Ron Short, who volunteered to go down the shaft Himself. He had been born without collarbones, um, and he could collapse his shoulders really tight and work in tight, confined spaces. That's his special skill. That's his superpower. Um, so he made this offer to squeeze himself into this tight space and go down and, and try and help, which they seriously considered. But he was a layperson. Um, and ultimately, one of the paramedics, a medic by the name of Robert O'Donnell, was able to inch his way down the newly drilled tunnel and ultimately wrestle baby Jessica free from this pinned position against the wall and free baby Jessica from the pinned position that she was in and get her free. So he had her in hand and was able to pass her on to another fellow paramedic nearby. And then they lifted her with kind of ropes and cables and a crane system to the surface strapped to this backboard device and uh, carried her one paramedic to another and then delivered her to a waiting ambulance on scene where both of her parents were. And what's kind of memorable about this moment, there was a lot of photographs taken. And one of the photos baby Jessica being held by one of the paramedics. Her head's wrapped in this white gauze and she's covered in mud and dirt. Her eyes are open. Um, She's blinking at the time. And this photo that was taken went on to win a Pulitzer Prize in photography. It's such a memorable moment in cultural history. It's really truly unbelievable. Can you imagine going
0: down into that drilled tunnel to get this baby? Like the anticipation and the anxiety that you would feel, but also how claustrophobic it must feel in something that narrowly drilled, you know, to go down there and just think, I hope I can get back out.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that, Casey, because um, part of the story here, I have, you know, just some information about what happened after all of these events. And sadly, about eight years after this accident, that paramedic, that very paramedic, Robert O'Donnell, who went down into that space, he died by suicide. He died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound in 1995. And sort of after being hailed a hero in this event, he really struggled. His brother reported that ever since the Jessica ordeal, his life fell apart it was suggested that he suffered from pretty significant ptsd post traumatic stress disorder brought on by the rescue
0: that's really sad
1: it is really sad and it it does kind of speak to the times a little bit in the late 80s you know this is a thing that that we understand nowadays to be you know not uncommon in the caring professions especially first responder type professions and I'm imagining in the late 80s, it probably wasn't something that was looked for or recognized or talked about or treated. And I can absolutely imagine, just like you said, how traumatic this would be for a rescuer to participate in. And it sounds like it ultimately cost him his life. So Jessica was taken to the hospital right away. And the doctors that she saw there thought they would potentially have to amputate her foot due to lack of blood flow, which was directly related to her leg being elevated above her head for these 58 hours. So they used hyperbaric therapy to kind of restore circulation in an attempt to avoid amputation, and it worked. In the end, they did have to amputate a toe, which had already kind of succumbed to some gangrenous infection, Um, but she kept her leg She was also left with a scar on her forehead, which was a result of her forehead just rubbing against the inside of the well. She went on to endure 15 related surgeries to repair some of these injuries that she had, but she had no broken bones. It's amazing. It is. And what's kind of cool is the doctor that cared for her, Dr. Carolyn Rode, a Midland, Texas physician, also delivered her. It was the same doctor that delivered her 18 months prior. She weighed 21 pounds six weeks before this incident. And when they pulled her out, she weighed 17 and a half pounds and was 10 to 15% dehydrated, her doctors reported. What time of year did you say this was? Uh, This was mid-October in Texas. So pretty warm compared to what we're used to in mid-October.
0: I was just thinking that if it was summertime, it could have been way worse. Although she was in the Ground. So I'm sure that that helped maintain a certain temperature.
1: Yeah. I also was wondering if at night they kind of pumped some heat down there, what they did to make sure she didn't get too cold. But yeah, in Texas, you got to worry about getting, keeping her cool. So what's really interesting about this to me is that Jessica retains no firsthand memory of any of these events. She didn't know any of this had happened to her. It wasn't until about age five. That she learned what happened after she watched an episode of Rescue 911 that reenacted these events. Um, And she asked her stepmom at that time who the little girl was in the well. And then she found out it was her.
0: That is crazy.
1: Her parents were only 17. Her mom was 17 and her dad was 18 at the time that this happened. So pretty young parents. And they actually um, ended up divorcing about two and a half years after the accident. When this occurred, because the world was just captivated with the story, uh, when she was finally rescued successfully, the family was inundated with donations, monetary, um, gifts, all kinds of support. And most of it was put away in a trust fund for baby Jessica that she would have access to when she turned 25. Um, Some of the money went directly to the family and they were able to buy a home in the suburbs, a couple of cars. Her father um, was able to pursue his dream of opening a tractor rental business with some of the money that they were gifted Jessica actually went on to live a pretty normal childhood. I mean, she was on a few TV shows and I think met the president and a handful of publicity things that she probably didn't remember, Um, but she stayed in Midland and uh, went to high school there. She didn't speak much to the media kind of during her uh, rest of her youth. And in 2006, when she was 19 years old, she met and married Daniel Morales and they had two children. She has a son that was born in 2007 and a daughter born in 2009. She said when they first met her husband or her boyfriend at that time, didn't know who she was, didn't know much about the story. And they kind of had a whirlwind love at first sight relationship, engaged one month after meeting. So when she eventually turned 25, um, married with two kids, she got access to this trust fund of donations that had been in existence for so many years, Um, and they used that money to buy a home and uh, invested some of the money. Unfortunately, she reported that they lost a lot of their investments in the stock market crash of 2008. Uh, Jessica said that she did see the well, and when she saw the well for the first time as an adult, um, she mentioned that it was hard, but, but it wasn't really upsetting. She was quoted as saying, to me, it's a symbol that it could have taken my life, but it didn't. I had God on my side that day. The well has been closed up for years, and there's a little memorial plaque that attracts kind of tourist attention to this day. The plaque says, for Jessica, October 16th, 1987, with love from all of us. She reported that she wants to use the event um, and the spectacle surrounding the event to teach her children to always be humble, to never forget where they've come from and to not take life for granted. In 2019, her dad wrote on Facebook, 32 years ago today, my daughter, baby Jessica, captured the world's attention in everyone's hearts as she quietly sang Winnie the Pooh from 22 feet below the surface. She was so close we could almost touch her, so close that we could hear her muffled cries unaided and with heartbreaking clarity through a single microphone lowered down that well. What an impactful experience that would have been for an 18-year-old father.
0: I really can't think of a lot of other things that would be worse than that.
1: It's a miracle that she survived and went on to live You know, what seems like a pretty normal and positive life. On May 30th, 2007, USA Today ranked Jessica McClure number 22 on its list of 25 lives of indelible impact. So 20 years later, this story still is impactful.
0: It's hard to believe that there is anyone that comes before her. Like, who are these other 21 people? Yeah, exactly. It must be
1: pretty astounding. We need to get this <laughs> pretty list. astounding. Yeah, we need to do some research. I might have some critique on this list. <laughs> so that's just a reminder of the story of Baby Jessica. If it's the first time you've heard it, then you're younger than I am, <laughs> and if you're of a similar generation, you're familiar with this. But it's pretty interesting to put it in a modern day context.
0: Well, thank you for reminding me of that story because I definitely remember my parents being really captivated by it and I probably didn't quite get the gravity of the situation. I just remember everyone was kind of sitting on pins and needles waiting to see what happened. So it's good to hear that she's probably doing well still, let's hope, with her kiddos raising her family. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it sounds like she's doing well. Um, She works as an assistant to a special education teacher at an elementary school in Midland, Texas. She's still there. This story, I always thought it was kind of interesting because in an old scrapbook in my house growing up, there's a newspaper article clipping um, about a story about my mom. When she was about 18 months old, she fell into a rain barrel, which I guess was in the backyard of her home. And obviously, she survived. But uh, my grandmother pulled her out of this rain barrel before she drowned. And it was a big enough deal that they wrote an article about it in the local paper. And there's a picture of her. And we have that clipped. And it always kind of made me think of uh, baby Jessica, (laughs) though maybe not as dramatic. Before we wrap up, we would love to ask you for your support in spreading the word about The Crux True Survival Stories. If you enjoyed the episode today, take a moment to visit our Instagram page at The Crux Podcast. We encourage you to share our latest posts on your stories and help us reach more fellow survival enthusiasts and storytellers. Consider leaving a ranking and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback means a lot to us, and we would love to continue bringing you compelling stories of survival. If you have any survival stories you'd like to share with us or topics you'd like us to discuss, please write us at the cruxsurvival.gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for your support.
0: Yeah. Thanks you guys for supporting, tuning in, listening every week for recommending us for just being here. We
1: appreciate it so much. Have
0: a great thanks, week. Thanks, Casey.
1: Have a great week.